Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, of course, joined by Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And uh, he's in Pennsylvania. I'm in the state of South Dakota. And uh, yeah, we are talking about some super cool, uh, not some, a super cool topic, a massive topic today. Um, how does technology fit into the Dominion mandate? And <clears throat> there is just so, so much in this topic to talk about. <clears throat> so first, though, we have a website, trdshow.net. You can find all sorts of our other content on that platform as well. Uh, or you can send us an email and we can send you some of our content that way if you'd like. trdshow at protonmail.com is where you can send your emails. That would just be so cool to get some messages from you, our audience, because we love hearing from you guys. Um, so today, our discussion topic, it's discussion topic Friday. This is a big one. And this is uh, personal to me, because of what I do for a living. I'm a software engineer. For those of you who didn't know, my day job is I write code for a living. Um, and I work for a an agency. And we get hired by clients to build custom software for their needs. And we'll, I'll get into some examples and all kinds of stuff for that later. But this topic hits really close to home for me. And um, I hope that there's other Christians out there that are also involved in the tech industry, because I think we need a lot more of us. Um, so before we get into this topic, though, we have to talk about our verse of the week, our verse this whole week, we've been talking about on Monday, Jake talked about it on Wednesday, we're gonna talk about it today for a little bit is Psalm 95 verses three through six. So it's three verses, not just one. We have a tendency to do a lot of verses in the verse of the week segment. So I'm thinking it might need a new name soon, but verse of the week works pretty well right now. <laughs> it's just, it's an ironic name is what it's meant to be. So here we go. Psalm 95 verses three through six say, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And again, that's Psalms, uh, Psalm 95, verses 3 through 6. So, massive verse. Obviously, this is a very creation-heavy verse. And this is part of the reason why we picked this verse this week. Was it's talking about the, the creation that God created. Now, if God created it, does that mean that it's evil? No. It, it can't no. be evil if God no. created it, unless something changed, which it did in the fall. But it only changed in a degree, and we're given that degree, and we're going to go over that degree later in today's episode. The curse altered creation to a certain extent. It didn't make creation itself evil. And what we see elsewhere is that creation is groaning under the weight of that curse, but it's also being renewed. The curse is being undone. We're seeing a renewal on this earth. And part of that renewal process is us as humans doing what God created us to do, which is to bring order to chaos, which is to take dominion over this earth. Um, the earth that we're taking dominion over is not in and of itself evil. It is a bit chaotic. But that's why we're here. That's why God created us. He gave us a task to do. He created us, not because he had to, not because without us, he's incomplete. He is completely complete without us. 
But he did create us for a task, and that's to take dominion over the earth that he created to keep and guard it. So when we when we talk today about technology, we're going to tie this into the dominion mandate, because obviously the title is how does technology fit into the dominion mandate? But also, I want to make sure that we pull out this last part. Throughout the week, Jacob and I have taken different aspects on this, and hopefully we've extrapolated and pulled out a lot of facets of this verse for you to study and look up further for yourself. Jacob looked into the great king above all gods. Um, he's a great god. He's above all gods. He is over and reigning over this earth and uh, did a wonderful job breaking that down on Wednesday. Um I took a similar approach on Monday and talked about the reverence aspect where we're supposed to bow down and worship. Um, we kneel before the Lord, our maker, because of what he's created. And so today I just want to tie those together really, really quickly um, and talk about how this all ties together. And I'll just kind of reiterate a little bit what I said on Monday, but I think it's important to remember is that God created this entire earth, right? All of the things we see around us, everything we're touching, everything we can see, everything we can hear, we can smell, we can taste. And oh, by the way, the capability for us to do all those things I just mentioned, tasting, touching, seeing, hearing, and smelling, that he created too. <laughs> so we we have no being, we have no existence apart from his creation. Um, we have a soul, obviously, but he created that as well. It's the breath of life. So obviously, all of this comes from him. And so because of that, we worship, we bow down, we kneel before the Lord, our maker. And when we take dominion, we take dominion in the way that he's told us to in his word, um, in his revealed word. He's given us the instruction book for life, and we need to read it. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So if you'll remember... Um, last year we took month, month and a half. Was it Jake? We went yeah, through, uh, yeah. creating a Christian culture. That was fun alliteration. Um, building a Christian culture, I think is what we said, man, I'm not yeah, remembering the yeah. name of our own series. Okay. Yeah. We skipped the C and we went right to a B. So maybe we should have done C. Yeah. That would have been fun. Creating <laughs> a Christian culture. That would have been hard to roll off the tongue though. <laughs> um, so we uh and throughout that whole month we were thinking to ourselves we're like hey we're both we're both people we both have jobs um maybe we should we should talk about what we do for a living one of these episodes one of these days we'll talk about what we do too since we talk to all these other cool people and talk about our industries as well so jake for, for those, is a chef well yeah for those who don't know this is not our job this here this, yes the show is not this our job what we do for fun <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our yeah. our main jobs are completely, well, at least mine is is antithetical, not antithetical, but different. It's like one is based around one is based around technology, which is this the show. Or mm -hmm. not necessarily based around technology, yeah, but you got to use technology equipment. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Whereas culinary, or the phrase that I want to coin, chefing, is mm -hmm is different very different but yeah go ahead Bo. you can yeah so we were thinking hey one of these episodes jake can talk about chefing for a whole episode and then i can talk about software engineering for a whole episode um this is not that but that's coming soon might be next week might be next month who knows 
except next week is next month. So ha ha ha. Didn't even mean to do that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, I did. I meant to do that. Uh, so, <laughs> so today is kind of a precursor to my episode that I want to do someday talking about software engineering. Um, and this is a bit more general, a bit more broad. We're going to hone in on this. We're going to discuss this. It's a discussion topic after all. It's not a Bruce lectures you for a half hour topic. Um, it's a discussion topic. We're going to discuss things. Um, but the purpose of this episode is to frame a Christian approach to technology and delve into various motivating factors behind this type of approach. So there's a uniquely Christian way, I believe, there's a uniquely Christian way to develop technology, to use it, to develop it, to build it, to, to well, develop means we're taking something that exists or maybe doesn't, and we're making it into something else. We're developing it bigger, adding on to it, extrapolating from it making it more of what it is or better than what it was or improving on it, um, growing it basically. So answering the question, what does it mean to approach technology from a Christian perspective? So first of all, though, we have to know what technology is, right? If we're like, this whole episode is about taking dominion of technology for Christ. We have to know well, what is it we're taking dominion over, right? And as it turns out, technology is a lot broader than you might first assume. I am um, reading off of my iPad. This is my tablet, right? That's what a lot of people think about when they think of technology. Oh, I've got, you know, AirPods. I've got a microphone. That's technology, right? And that's true. It is technology. But technology is a much broader topic than just that. So uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines technology as the practical application of knowledge, especially in a particular area. Um, real quick, could you give an example of that? Because I know, again, like you were saying, this is a very broad topic, and it might be hardest yeah. to figure out what you're actually talking about and what we're... Are we talking about this very, very broad topic of anything that is the practical application of knowledge? Right. Or are we talking about a subset of that? Yeah, yeah, great question. And um, my point in opening up the floor, uh, opening this, widening this definition of technology is so that we can study in scripture what technology refers to. So for instance, you're not gonna, you can read from Genesis to, Genesis, <laughs> I almost said to Exodus, you can read one book, <laughs> you can read all 66 books, read from Genesis to Revelation, and you won't find one reference to an iPad. You will find references to instruments. You will find references to forge, a forge that constructs metal tools. You'll find references to swords. You'll find references to all sorts of technology that we might not otherwise think of as technology. So my hope is to use those examples, plus my, my own experience working for various clients in my job. Um, to create some sort of a framework for Christian theology, some sort, uh, or for Christian theology of technology, sort of. It's gonna be vague and broad and there's so much more to pull out from it. But these are some of my thoughts on that topic. Does that kind of answer your question, Jake? Mm -hmm. A little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, kind of, hopefully that's sort of an example. We're gonna get into more specific examples. Yeah, yeah, I well. think um, I think if you continue on, the, the question will be answered even more fully and people will understand. Yeah. Because I know cool. where you're going. 
So it's yeah. easy for me to understand it right now, but I think yes. as we continue, people will get a better understanding of that. So yeah, for those out there, uh, just keep keep stay, stay here with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll it's gonna come like, together. Yeah, and I'm gonna try and reiterate some of these too. So if I bring up some points, I'm gonna try to reiterate those points and make sure that we understand. Hey, I really only have three or four key points, and then subtopics underneath of those. So we'll try and hit all of those. And I'll try and reiterate the, the, the key points so that everybody is not confused and we all kind of stay together. Um, so based on this definition uh, and a host of doctrinal points, theological points that I hope to defend throughout this episode, I've tried to put together a slightly systemized view of technology from a biblical perspective. So here we go. Let's let's delve into this a little bit. So. I've developed um, what I believe biblically are two core tenets of Christian technological development. So two core tenets. So the first is organization. And my subtitle for that is bringing order to chaos. So organization plays a huge role in technology. And I have a whole section at the end of this episode where I want to talk about bringing order um, out of chaos, taking chaos and turning it into order organizing. My second tenant is efficiency. And it's developing an element of efficiency within a task um, with certain guidelines. And so I want to address some of those as well. But those are the two core tenants. Keep those in the back of your head. Organization and efficiency. Those are your motivating factors behind developing technology, I believe, developing technology in a Christian uh, way, from a Christian worldview trying to develop it uh, with organization and efficiency. Now, obviously, God is at the center of that. Obviously, we're doing it for biblical reasons. But trying to get into specifics here, thinking about, we could say, well, my core motivation for writing code is expanding the kingdom of God. Okay, but what does that mean? That's right. so vague, so broad. So my purpose is to try and narrow that down a little bit. So obviously, I'm going to be like, your core motivating factor here should be bringing order to chaos or bringing uh, order to chaos. Yeah. And you're going to be like, no, 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 it should be writing code for Jesus. Well, obviously, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's yeah. assumed given the, the show you're listening to. But I'm trying to develop some specifics here. That's so. Hopefully that's, I've qualified that enough. What does it, what does it mean? What does it look like to yeah. be a Christian developer? Right. If you're an engineer who's a Christian and you're like, how do I write this code? How do I do my day job as unto the Lord? Hopefully this leads you down the right path and starts you answering and asking, asking some questions. Okay. So I have some guiding principles that I think will really help starting to think about this. Um, first is that technology is not evil. Hopefully that's, we, we get it. Okay. Technology is not evil. It's a gift from God. Um, and if you disagree with me, keep listening because hopefully I'm going to make this pretty clear. Technology is developed when man takes the raw materials that God has given him and transforms them into something that increases his organization and efficiency. And as a result, most likely adds a relative degree of convenience. That's kind of my definition of technology. It's, it's developed when man takes raw materials God has given him, transforms them into something that increases his organization and efficiency. Those are those two core tenets I was talking about. Organization and efficiency. And as a result, most likely adds a degree of convenience. But again, 
as we're going to get into in a little bit, convenience is not the primary goal. And we'll talk about that in a second. <clears throat> so uh, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Everything in this world was created by God. As humans, we were told to take dominion of this earth. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, Psalm 8, 6 through 8. Romans 1, 20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, so they are without excuse. We gloss over that middle part, though. The things of this world demonstrate the glory of God. They demonstrate the glory of their maker. They're not evil if they're demonstrating the glory of God. Um, they're not evil if we can see the invisible attributes of God in the things that he made. If that's possible for us to see his glory and to learn about him from his creation, then clearly they're not evil. So hopefully that's obvious. Okay, second principle is that technology in its general sense is not new. It's not really a new thing. And that's why I wanted to expand the definition of technology past what we usually think of with our modern sensibilities. Genesis 4, 17 through 22. Um, in that passage, we see examples of Cain building a city. We see uh, Jabel being the father of those who dwell in tents. Tents were developed. Um, Jubal being the father of those who play the lyre and pipe. So musical instruments were developed. Um, Tubal Cain being the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. And those instruments required uh, forges to be made to forge those things. That's, that's technology. Because what you could do is you could breathe into your hands and produce some hot air, right? That's not very efficient. It takes a long time to do that. So we figured out a way to make heat that's more consistent, that takes less effort, that is more efficient. We call it a fire. Fire produces heat that is much hotter. We can actually do more with it. It's far more efficient. We've developed that. Then we developed it into a forge. So now, ooh, we can take metal and we can do other things that used to be hard. We can sing with our voice. But if we blow into this tube that's bent a certain way, we can reach notes that our voice couldn't reach. We can sing things. We can play things faster. We can create music that is even more beautiful, even more efficient than our voice. And so we develop musical instruments. So all of that comes from that idea of making things more efficient, right? Not convenient. We're going to get to it in a second, but efficient. Okay. So those are my two core principles. Uh, two core tenets are organization and efficiency. Two principles that kind of guide us in this conversation. One is that technology is not evil. Two is that technology in its general sense is not new. Okay, so I want to move into talking about opposing the philosophy of convenience-driven development. So the notion and the idea that technology is here purely for our convenience, which I don't think is biblical. And I don't think... Um, being driven to create technology so that it's convenient, I don't think that's biblical either. Uh, convenience is a side effect. A lot of times, convenience is a side effect of technology, but it, it shouldn't be our primary driving factor behind developing the technology. Um, as humans, 
we were created to work. So my tagline for this is lasting quality technology is not solely driven by convenience. Lasting quality technology is not solely driven by convenience. So you might see a lot of technology and companies that get started on convenience, this idea of convenience. They don't last. They, they don't last very long in the market because ultimately convenience is not um, something that can drive and it's not something that can sustain uh, any sort of, of company on that level. It, you always need something more than convenience. Um, and that's for a reason. As humans, we were created to work. We're creatures who were created not to sit around and have cushy lifestyles, but we were created to work. That Our bodies were created for that. Our minds were created for that. Everything about our nature was created for work. Um, Genesis 1.28 says, fill the earth and subdue it by having dominion. Genesis 2.5 says, and there was no man to work the ground. So at that point, it's like, oh, the ground wasn't living up to its fullest potential because there was no man to, to work it. Through our work, we take dominion over this earth. That's an inescapable part of our identity. Genesis 1.26 talks about that. This work may become more organized or efficient, but our goal should not be to put an end to it entirely. So I'll say that again, this work that we were created to do may become more organized or efficient. Notice those are the two tenants. That's what technology does for us. It organizes and makes things more efficient, but our goal should not be to put an end to this work uh, entirely. Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Ephesians 4.28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So that's an important facet of this. We don't live for ourselves and we don't live for our own convenience. Romans 14, seven through eight says, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Colossians three twenty three says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And if we are truly Christians, we should be working so we can take dominion in the way scripture tells us to. James 1, 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So obviously, hopefully by this point, I've made the point pretty clear and I've substantiated it with scripture that we are created to work. Work is not something we should run from. It's not something that's evil. It's something we were created to do. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't attempt to make it more efficient or organized, as I'm going to get to in a minute. The point is that we should be actively um, seeking out. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, sorry to cut you off, but um, I think something that you're you're mentioning here is that our work is not just to make money. The point of it is not just to make money. Right. The point of it is do more than that. And and obviously, I'm not saying that we shouldn't look to make money at all. Money is the way that we provide for our family, which mm -hmm. is good, for, and God commands us to do so. But and this goes into if when I talk about chefing as unto the Lord, this is part of it talking about the money. Yeah. You don't make a lot as a chef. So you're going to be a chef for more than just money. Right. And when I when I do my own thing, I will talk about that. But right. um Yeah. But you know, in this in this case, there's 
this is not, we're not working just for money. We're working for greater purpose because God created us to do that. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, and I think by that same token, the point of some of the things that I was saying, an additional point is that we should be actively seeking out work to be done for the Lord. Um, part of doing that work though, is doing it well. So yeah, so we're not doing it just for the paycheck. Like Jake was saying, we're not doing it for ulterior motives. We are doing it for the Lord. Um, but that means we're doing it. We should be doing it well. We should be seeking to do it as efficiently as we can. And that's where technology really comes into play and can really help us with that task. So we shouldn't look at it as a way to make our lives more convenient. We shouldn't look at it as a way to, oh, if I do it this way, if I get enough technology, then I won't have to work. We should be looking for ways to make things more efficient so that we aren't having to work so hard at a task and get nowhere. But we can work and technology comes alongside and helps us and makes us more efficient in our work. Okay, so that's efficiency. Hopefully I've made that fairly clear by going against the philosophy of convenience-driven technology. Now I want to talk about the second tenant, which is bringing order to chaos. <clears throat> the creator of the universe is very obviously the god of order, 1 Corinthians 14.33. The creation of the world and all its intricately connected systems, food chains, weather patterns, seasonal patterns, the orbits of celestial bodies, etc. There's so much in this world that's ordered and beautiful, and it all just connects intricately, and it's super complicated, and it works beautifully because it's well-ordered. God is the God of order. So all of his creation makes that very plain to us. However, God has left much of this earth untamed. <clears throat> and he's given us the task of taking dominion over this untamedness. Apart from taking dominion through him, all our best efforts to do this are completely in vain. But through him, we are given wisdom, uh, renewed understanding, and the ability to properly bring order to the chaos in this world. And there's a ton of verses for this. Romans 12, 2, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Revelation 21, 5, Ezekiel 47, 12, Revelation 22, 2, and of course, so, so many more examples. But all of those talk about how we as humans are given the task of bringing order to chaos through the renewing of our minds, through the working of the Holy Spirit, undarkening our minds, restraining our sins so that we can think clearly to bring about order in this world. So obviously, order is very important. Part of this untamedness is from the curse. Genesis 3, 17 through 20, where work is hard and creation is groaning, definitely. But scripture also tells us that Christ's work on the cross kicked off a new age and a new covenant. In this new age, we are witnessing the reign of our king and the gradual undoing of the curse. Acts 3.21, Romans 8.22, Isaiah 2.4, Micah 4.3, Isaiah 65, 21-23, and so, so many others. I finally had to just stop and I'm like, all right, hopefully they get the point. If you want more verses talking about how this earth is being renewed and Christ is working right now in his reign to undo the curse. Let us know. We can send you so many more. But my point here is that 
God is working right now to bring order to chaos. And he's given us technology as a way to do that. For example, a database is a great way to bring order to chaos. Let's say, for instance, that I have a warehouse full of crates, full of products that I eventually want to sell. I need to make these products in this massive warehouse where I can hardly see from one end to the other. Um, and it's full of things. If my job as a worker in that warehouse is to locate a box halfway through the warehouse somewhere and bring it to the door so that somebody can use it for something, they can sell it, they can use the parts, they can do what they want with it, right? That's what I'm hired to do. Technology is a great way to make that task so much more efficient. We can keep track of where all the boxes are. We can track what shelf, what row, what column they're in. We have um, a database to keep track of that for us. Now notice, that was not so that we didn't have to work. We still have to go and get the box. But now we're not wasting, wasting time walking around in circles trying to find the box. We know exactly where it is. Technology made that so much more efficient and it brought order to the chaos, seemingly the chaos of that warehouse. There's so many other examples of this, but we're out of time. Otherwise, I would love to provide um, those examples for you. But hopefully I've made my points clear. To reiterate, the two core tenets that I believe are involved in, in a biblical view of technology and specifically developing technology is organization, bringing order to chaos, and efficiency. So developing an element of, of efficiency within a task, making something more efficient that we're already doing. So also technology is not evil, made that point clear. Technology in its general sense is not new. It's been around since the third chapter of Genesis, fourth chapter, sorry, of Genesis. So that's a long time ago. Um, but also a Christian worldview says that technology, our development of that shouldn't be convenience driven. We shouldn't be developing technology just to make our lives convenient. That shouldn't drive us. Companies that do that won't last very long. But convenience is a side effect. So it's not something we should shun either, but it can't be our primary motivating factor for developing technology. But also bringing order to chaos. That's a huge, huge part because the God we worship is a God of order. He's given us a task to bring order to this world and technology is a wonderful way to do that. Anything you'd like to add, Jake, before we wrap up today? Uh, sort of as, as an analysis, um, but, um, well, an analysis on your part, but that that example that you gave with the warehouse and everything. Now, what about this? And would you say this is in any way unbiblical in the sense of too much convenience? Say, okay, you've created a database, you know where the where the, the, the thing is, what if you were to create a mover or a lifter or a thing to drive you over there and grab it and bring it to the front? Or even so, going, going even further, what if you were to create an automated thing that you right. push a button, it goes, it grabs, and it brings it to you? Yeah. Is that at all unbiblical in the sense of convenience, that, like you were saying before? No, I, I don't think so. I think what that does is provided the motivation behind the task is, hey, we'll be able to get boxes faster so that we can get them to our customers faster. If that is the motivation, then I, I think that that's, that's a good thing to do. If your motivation is instead as a factory worker, oh my goodness, I'm just so darn tired today. 
and I don't want to have to go get those boxes. I wonder if I can get a machine to do it. And then I can sit down below and pretend like I'm working, but I'm actually not. And the robot does the work for me and I get paid anyways. Sweet. Well, that guy's going to put himself out yeah. of a job. But if he right. says, hey, I'm going to develop this so that companies can make their jobs more efficient. Now, one thing I want to tackle in a future episode is people are scared about developing new technologies because it's going to put people out of a job. Oh, no. Meanwhile, it actually ends up creating more jobs, which is interesting. We, we can get into that later. But that might be an objection that we might get is, hey, if you replace that factory worker or that warehouse worker with a machine, now he's out of a job, right? What's going what's gonna to happen to him? Well, usually he finds a better job. Now he doesn't have to do that kind of menial labor, but also you've just created a whole nother job for when that machine breaks down, <laughs> right? You've created now yeah. a system that needs to be maintained. You've created now another job. Um, so, and there's so, so much more. I know that's very vague and you're going to pull the, people can pull that apart. And well, what about, what about we could create a whole nother episode just talking about that because that's definitely good right, to discuss. Right. Um, but this episode wasn't geared towards the, the warehouse worker. It was geared more towards the people who are developing technology. So like myself, who is helping a client develop technology, what goes, what should go through your mind when you're helping to develop someone? Uh, develop technology for someone. It shouldn't be, well, what's going to be convenient? It should be, what's going to make this product more efficient for this company? I don't know if that clears anything up or helps at all. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that cool. answers the question. Yeah. Cool, sweet. All right, well, good question, Jake. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry that I did most of the talking today. I promise when we get into the chefing world, I'll shut up and you can do all the talking. <laughs> yeah 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 so thank you all as the audience so so much for watching or listening to us today don't forget trdshow.net is the show website please check it out also send us an email trdshow at protonmail.com if you had questions comments concerns hopes dreams or aspirations you wanted to share with us after listening to this episode please like subscribe do the things that let us know you enjoyed watching this episode including a five-star review on your podcast platform of your choice that would be really really helpful thank you so much for for doing that already and we are looking forward to seeing you on monday have a great weekend and a wonderful lord's day and remember everyone in all that you do do it as unto the lord <laughs>